It is Correct Opinions on Wrestling. I'm George. I'm Melissa. And tonight we're going to review AEW Double or Nothing for 2021. Yes. And uh, I feel like we should address the fact that we haven't made a podcast in a couple weeks. No, we haven't. Um, I've been having health problems and a lot of doctor's visits and you've been starting a new job mm-hmm. and it's just been a little bit nuts. And if you bastards would uh, donate to the Patreon we don't have up yet. <laughs> uh, There's no Patreon. <laughs> I wouldn't have to do that for a living, but here we are. And honestly, the past two Dynamites have not been my favorite anyway. They took the first two weeks or the last two weeks before Double or Nothing off. So, you know, so did we <laughs> inadvertently. Um, but we're back. And also we have a giveaway um, how you, well, what you win is a $25 gift card to the AEW shop. How you win, we would be putting up a tweet, uh, advertising this podcast. You need to follow us on Twitter and retweet that tweet. You'll know what one it is. It's about double or nothing. It'll say giveaway on it. Can't miss it. Retweet that you have a week. And honestly, you really should do it because... <laughs> You don't have a lot of competition, no, so... Uh, it's free money. <laughs> it's pretty much free money if you do it. So... All right, let's get into Double or Nothing. Let's just... How did you feel about Double or Nothing overall before we get into it? Overall, I really enjoyed the show. Me too. Honestly, there were only two things I didn't like about it. Mm. And so, me, there was only really one thing that I absolutely abhorred. Oh, I wonder what that could be. Mm. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So first we have our buy-in. We had Serena Deeb defending the NWA Women's Championship against Riho. And God, it's good to see Riho again. Yeah, she's moved. She's moved to the U.S. apparently, so we might be seeing more of her now. Good, I miss Riho. I just feel like both these women are really uh, talented at just putting on a full match. Like... Some people just have the talent of being able to tell a story through a match, and some people don't. And these two are so good at it. And it was just a great match, and I loved seeing the full crowd. And fucking super spreader event. Yeah, I know. Like, But seriously, when I saw that crowd, I was like, I want to go, and I don't even care if I get COVID. (laughs) Well, we're vaccinated. (laughs) I know, but there's vaccination isn't 100%. But, uh, yeah, when I heard the crowds are going to be back, I was like, oh, Christ, here we go. But when I saw it, I was like, damn, I don't even know if I care if I get COVID now, because I want to go. The hell, we live in an apocalypse world anyway, might as well have some fun with it. And, goddamn, what a difference a crowd makes in wrestling. Yeah. Holy shit, what a difference it makes. Now, I would like to know down the line if we're ever going to find out just how many COVID cases came out of this fucking thing, but, uh... I don't even care. You don't even care? I don't even fucking care. Because it's Florida. <laughs> I don't I don't care anymore. I Home don't care anymore. Home of the fucking... What? Just want to go down that route. What? But, yeah, this is a great match, and... So, Serena Deeb is clearly a heel now, right? I mean, this was a heel turn. It had to be. Yeah, I think that her last match, they were kind of hinting towards that, too. I think that works, because she just seems like someone's mean mom, you know? I know you say that, but whatever. Oh. That's how, that's how I feel at your opinion. Whatever to your opinion. Serena Deeb wins by submitting Riho, and it's just a good, solid buy-in, and... A good way to start the show, I thought. Anything else? Goddamn middle-aged yoga instructor beating up on that poor... Why did you have to say her age? That's so ageist and sexist. Well, when I'm talking about someone's mom, someone's mean mom... You had to be middle-aged to be a mom? I don't know. what What you say is stupid. You know that? No. You're an idiot. This is the first time hearing of that. All right, let's move on to the show, because this is going nowhere. Oh. All right. So we start the show off with Brian Cage versus Hangman. And Brian Cage comes out wearing (laughs) some, like, it's like a metal chest piece and shoulder piece and a mask. It's supposed to be metal. 
I wrote down this is uh, a Wish.com Triple H gear from WrestleMania. <laughs> it wasn't the best gear. It did have a glowy little eyepiece, like he's Kano or Terminator or something, but... Um... Yeah. Did the prop person just <laughs> rush this one? I don't know. But, um... When Hangman comes out, the crowd goes apeshit. This was when I really got excited to see the crowd because uh, I feel like it's good for AEW to see who the fans are really into. Yeah. And uh, just people went crazy for Hangman. And, and it just made me excited to see Hangman go for the title. I'm ready for that now. I'm ready it's for that storyline. And uh, so we get into the match and um, obvious hot take. Cage is a fucking beast. The things he can do, it's terrifying. The way he can just, like, pick up a fully grown man, flip him around. It's just crazy how strong he is. For such a big dude involved in this, there is a surprisingly high uh, number of up-top spots. And just overall, a lot of going to the top rope. Cage can do it all. He really can. So can Hangman. Like, I always find it surprising how much Hangman does, like, moonsaults and stuff. Yeah. Both of them are, like, well, Hangman's not a big dude, but, like, he doesn't seem like moonsault off the top size no. guy. But He's not Cage, a cruiserweight. Cage can do it all, too. It's crazy. At one point, he like Cage actually gets flipped off the top. That flippy leg thing? Yeah, like, what I wrote the hell? flippy leg thing because I didn't feel good when we were watching this. I couldn't remember. I couldn't, my brain wasn't working. I couldn't think of what the move's called. He does something. Flippy <laughs> leg thing about flippy covers it, though, thing. so. And then at one point, uh, Hangman takes a suplex from the second rope onto the stage. Ooh, yeah, that, that looked uh, and sounded nasty. It was. And then at one point, Cage goes for the buckshot lariat. And Hangman drill claws him for a near fall, so they had like a nice uh, swap of uh, finisher. finishers, finisher swap. It was a finisher cultural exchange. And then there's like it was so f weirdly fast paced too at certain points. There was like a they were putting on a fast paced clinic at one point, and um, Hangman takes a spinning liger bomb from Cage with a near fall, but then. The we, fuckery needs to happen. Right, we get to the story work. Because the with Team Taz, there's always some goddamn bullshit going on. Out comes fucking Hook. Out comes Hook, distracting Hangman, and then while that's happening, Ricky Starks throws Brian Cage the FTW belt. And what does Cage do? He throws it back. So this whole storyline with Hangman, where Hangman's like, I know you're better than that. Cage is like, yeah, Cage, Cage I am better than that. yeah. So he throws the belt back, refuses to use it. But his integrity costs him. He, yeah, because when he's distracted, Hangman sets up the buckshot lariat. He gets the win. And Cage is mad at Team Taz, and as the, he rightfully should be. And the lesson here, kids, always cheat. No, because if that's you have not the lesson. Because if you have integrity... It'll come back and fuck you for doing the right thing. No, that is not the lesson. Because he told Team Taz, the rest of the team, to fuck off. He can handle this. And he was handling it. Until they came down there and messed everything up. So, is Cage still in Team Taz? I guess we will see Wednesday. We'll find out. So, I mean, when that match was over, I thought, that's a goddamn A match. And what else could they have done? It was extremely entertaining. The first, um, the first three matches were all absolutely spot on. I mean, I know we're getting to the next one, but honestly, the, the entire opening part of the show was... Most of the show was, honestly. Yeah. Most of the show is great. But it started out very strong with this uh, trio of matches. So after that, we get a video package with people talking about how the Young Bucks have changed... And Moxley talking about how he's he and Kingston have been embarrassed. And the Young Bucks saying, what did you expect? We were going to turn on you because Kenny's family. And so Eddie and Mox come out, you know, through the side door, through the crowd. God damn. Oh, my God. Mox is losing his mind. He just feeds off of this. 
He fucking is going through the crowd. He just whips a chair for no reason. He's so pumped up. And it was so great to see Eddie Kingston finally get that full crowd yeah. experience. Everybody loves Eddie. And if, if Mox didn't seem like the number one person in the company before, which he did, God damn, does he feel like the actual champ champ coming out to a whole uh. crowd that's not like I was talking about this before. Like I feel like of everyone in AEW, I feel like Moxley feels the most like a superstar. Definitely. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. And their entrance was just great, and I just, I'm just so happy for Eddie Kingston because he fucking deserves this. He does. People were losing their mind for Mox and Eddie, so they come out, and then the champs come out, the Young Bucks. I gotta say real quick. Now that uh, Britt Baker is getting her own action figure, when's it going to be uh, Eddie Kingston's turn? When are we going to get a little Eddie Kingston action figure? Oh, that's coming. And that will, has to be coming. And will there be like a Chase or Rare variant that comes with a pack of Newports? Oh my god, I still think about when Max Caster did that fucking rap and called Eddie Kingston a pack of Newports. I still think about that all the time. I would like to shake Max Caster's hand because that's goddamn hilarious and I think about it all the time. That's the greatest insult I've ever heard. <laughs> it was inspired is what it was. It really fucking was. All right, so yeah, the Young Bucks come out and they come out with Callus and uh, they're in the ring and there's they're shooting the streamers and Moxley and Kingston just lay into them before the streamers even hit the ground. I like that they did manage to neutralize... Uh... Cutler's dipshit ass before the bell rings. Oh, it was, yeah, they were brawling for a long time before the bell even rings on this match. They take it into the crowd. Moxley's taking beers from people. Yeah, Cutler, he ends up getting choked out and clotheslined because he's fucking in there trying to spray people with cold spray. Like, I don't, and I know, you know, we'll get into the rest of the card later, but at the time, I thought this was maybe going to be match of the night. Um, even if this didn't end up being match of the night, just thinking of like how excited everyone was and all the little interactions in the crowd and the, you know, taking it out of the ring. I feel like if it wasn't match of the night, it was definitely the crowd pleaser of the night. Oh, I'd say there's one more. I'd mm. say this is tied with one more cr major crowd pleaser that we'll get to. Okay. Okay. Uh, there was two like really big feel good moments in this pay-per-view. But, um, so then the fuckery commences. Carl Anderson comes out at the tunnel. And while he's doing that, Doc Gallows is trying to creep up into the ring. Oh, Doc. But, uh, Kingston attacks him, neutralizes him. And then Kazarian comes out and takes out Carl Anderson. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do something with Frankie Kazarian. This is a great storyline, and I hope it really continues. So I'm interested to see where that's going. So... Fucking Matt gets a hold of the cold spray and he sprays Mox's eyes and whips the can at him. Mox juices because of course he does. Why wouldn't you? I don't know if that was... You think it was legit? Like he whipped that can at his head. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that was legit. Then the young bucks really just kind of, you know, really work that wound a lot. Yeah, they do. At one point, uh, Moxley takes a Meltzer driver on the ramp. Oof. So Mox is getting a good beating. And what I found confusing, the, my one problem with this match is this problem that comes up in tag team matches a lot, where you have both the Young Bucks in the ring beating the hell out of Moxley, not listening to the ref, but then Eddie's standing in the corner waiting for his tag, and that will never make sense to me. Like, I know when someone gets tagged in, you get a few seconds, but if you're if the other team is cheating... Yeah. And not listening to the ref, why are you playing by the rules and waiting in the corner for your tag? So, Eddie's in the corner while Mox is getting the hell beat out of him for a long time. At one point, uh, the Young Bucks do the whole shield fist bump mock. Oh, and, I missed that. And then fucking Matt Jackson does the goddamn Roman Reigns ooh-ah thing. Oh, I totally missed all that. Yeah. I fucking was... missed that. Either I missed it or it went over my head. I, I totally missed that. But uh, 
Well, Mox is getting beat up. He does his, like, crazy man power-up. Yeah. He suplexes both the Young Bucks at the same time. And is finally able to get that sweet, hot tag to Eddie Kingston. Eddie does a great no-sell when yeah. uh, Matt Jackson interferes. Yeah, Matt Jackson is punching him, and Eddie just has a look on his face of, like, you're really disrespecting me like this? <laughs> With these fucking punches? It was great. Um, fucking Mox gets a sleeper in. Matt is able to counter it. Nick comes off the top rope on him for a near fall. Then we have a segment with the shoes. Oh, yes, the shoes. There's somebody brings in a shoe, and while the ref is distracted getting rid of those fucking expensive Dior ones, while she's distracted. I think they do the doomsday device. Yeah, with the with the shoes. With the shoe on Matt. There's a near fall, a paradigm shift near fall, and then at one point both the young bucks get in a super kick party on Mox. And kicks out at he one. He kicks out at one. Like, what's it gonna take to finally end Moxley? I'll tell you what it's gonna take. Four BTE triggers to the head in a row. So Young Bucks win with the finisher spam. Yeah. And this was another a fucking plus match and i thought at the end of this match what more could they have possibly done nothing this match had everything well they could have put the fucking belts on moxley and eddie we disagree on that we do but i'm right you're wrong don't be annoying not being annoying you're right i'm right you're wrong that's annoying is it yeah all right what are you doing nothing don't worry about it Oh my god. This is a this is falling apart at the seams. <laughs> just don't be annoying. Well then why don't you just ask me not to breathe? We're allowed to disagree. Like, would it have been fun if Moxley and Kingston won? Yeah, but I think it cheapens your tag team division for like one of the best tag teams in the world to lose to two random guys. I'd agree with you, but I don't think they're quite the level of two random guys. I feel they like are. Given their they're history, not a tag team. But given their history, I feel like they've got more of a claim to be a legitimate team. I feel like, do you think like tag team is its own special thing that requires its own skills? Or is it just something that two guys can get together and do? Because mm. I see tag team wrestling as its own thing that takes its own type of skills. So, if you just put two guys together and they beat the best tag team in the world, I feel like that cheapens tag team wrestling. Agree to disagree. That's Agree fine. to disagree on that. Alright, so next we get the Casino Battle Royale. And Paul White, I guess, is the host. Paul White comes out on commentary, and I thought, that bastard's gonna come out as the Joker. He's going to rip off the uh, suit. and I thought 100% Paul White was going to end up being in this, but he doesn't. He's not. He but restrained himself. He did. So how it works is to go with the casino theme. Everyone chooses a card, and they get separated by, what are they called? Suits. And they come out in groups by suit, and then the Joker, whoever pulled the Joker, is the last to enter. And I love this format because, I mean, the Royal Rumble is fun, but, like, I feel like it takes for fucking ever, and I kind of like people coming out in groups. And, like, everyone got their own entrance, which is fun, too. So, they pull the first group, which I believe was clubs, and it ends up being Christian, Matt Seidel, Hobbs, Dustin Rhodes, and Max Caster. And when Max Caster comes out, he does a rap, and God damn it, if it wasn't great. His uh, his raps have definitely way improved since his debut. It is so good. He tells Christian that he's lost his edge. <laughs> uh, he makes fun of Matt Seidel for slipping last year. Oh, shit. And he calls Dustin Rhodes ugly and tells him he should paint his entire face. Oh. The burns. These were great. But... He's not a very smart boy, that Max Caster, because he gets knocked out of the ring and lands on the stage and then rolls off onto the floor. Nice. So, uh, that wasn't too smart. So, that was the first group. The second group is Diamonds. We get Matt Hardy, Ten, 
Nick Comorado, and Serpentico. And when Serpentico comes out, Luther comes out and throws him into the ring. <laughs> Why are they still doing that? Why are they still a thing? Why does Luther still have a job? <laughs> I don't know. So next is the Hearts group, which is both the Varsity Blondes, Colt Cabana, Anthony Bowens, and Pentagon. Pentagon's or, Penta. gear. Yeah, he comes out as fucking Lucha Joker. And he looks cool as hell. Like comic booky green and purple Joker. Make that a goddamn action figure. Oh my god, it was like, so cool. That needs to oh, be an action I want figure. That. If you make that action figure, I will buy it. Because that's amazing. And then the last group is Spades, and that is Jungle Boy, Mark Quinn, Aaron Solo, Evil Uno, and Shoddy Lee. And the last person, the Joker, the big surprise, is Leo Rush. And maybe there's people excited about that. This was not the surprise for me. This was a dud of a surprise. For, for me, this is a dud surprise. I would have rathered it have been Big Show. <laughs> me too. That's, that's the level of excitement I, I have about Leo fucking Rush. Can you imagine if fucking Paul White stood up at commentary and ripped his clothes off and there's a singlet on underneath? Oh my god, that would have been hilarious. Right now, I guess, he's on a handshake deal per appearance. Leo Rush? Um, yeah, I think he's... T I actually think I read he's technically signed to New Japan. Oh. So... I don't really care. Hopefully this was just kind of a one-off, but... Whatever. Whatever. I feel gets, whatever about it. He gets eliminated fairly quickly. Really quickly for the surprise person? Yeah. He was out fast, which is pretty surprising. So the final three people end up being Matt Hardy, Christian, and Jungle Boy. And at one point, Matt is like forming an alliance with Christian, kind of like a, oh, we know each other from back in the day type alliance. Let's get this young kid. Christian turns on him, so it backfires on Matt Hardy. The last two people are Christian and Jungle Boy, and there's a lot of back and forth where it seems like this person's going to go out, no, this person's going to go out. For a second, like, I was starting to get worried because the crowd clearly wanted Jungle Boy to Oh, win. yeah. The crowd um, was chanting Jungle Boy. He was definitely the favorite. Yeah, like, it wasn't even close. And at one point, it looks like he's gonna be knocked out, and he does this great, like, Tarzan swing yes. around the turnbuckle, and it was perfect. And threw, like, the bottom rope. Yeah, and so he throws out Christian. Jungle Boy wins. The crowd is shitting itself. This was the other feel-good moment I was talking about. Yeah, definitely. Like, everyone was so happy. Um, the... The rest of Jungle Express comes out. Jungle Jurassic Express comes out. Little Marco stunt. They're Aww. hugging. They're celebrating. Christian comes in, does the old man handshake, and I approve of your win. Mm. Classy, classy, classy boy. And oh. I just want to say I saw something funny on BTE today because I watched it today. Matt Hardy was on there, pissed at Christian. Saying if it weren't for him and his brother in the Attitude Era, him and Edge never would have even gotten over. And I was yeah. like, that's hilarious. I, I totally agree with that. I feel like with the whole TLC matches back in the day, it was about the Hardy Boys. You're biased. And the Dudleys. No, the Dudleys too. Like, I've always thought Christian and Edge were like, meh. Yeah. But I just thought, that's hilarious. I, was, I think there's going to be a feud between Matt Hardy and Christian next. Mm. That would be a good spot for it to go. And, it, yeah, I just thought that was funny. That nostalgia feud. I Yeah, I think it's a good spot for both of them, actually. I think so, too. So, I was just so afraid they were actually going to give it to Christian. And, like, the crowd was just going to boo them out of the fucking building. Well, like, Edge and the Royal Rumble this year was the first one out and won. Mm. And I was like, are they going to have Christian come out first Ugh. and be the one to win? I'm glad they didn't go that route. Yeah. Yeah, if he had won, it would have been awkward, That would have been a bad look. Either the crowd would have been booing or the crowd would have just been like, ooh. Uh, oh, okay. They would have been dead. <laughs> just like they were dead watching this next feud. Okay. All right. 
I've got to pace myself with this next uh, section. The bile. The bile I have for this. i got to keep myself under control for no, this No, you next don't. Piece. No, let it go. That's how we get clicks, baby. Okay. So the next thing we have is a Memorial Day spot, which makes sense because it's fucking Memorial Day. I feel like it's you would address it. It's not inappropriate. So I feel like normally a wrestling show would have this at the very beginning of the show. They play the national anthem. They do the Memorial Day spot. The roster would come out to the stage. Yeah, but no, we have it in the middle. And Sean Bean comes out and uh, because he was actually in the military. Captain Sean Bean. And they talk about this charity. Um, I think it was called Paws. I'm not sure. But it's a great charity that gives service dogs to veterans that need it in the hopes of Bettering their mental health. Bettering their mental health. So this is great. This is nice. But what's really, really grody about it is they used this as a manipulation tactic to get cheers for Cody Rhodes. Cody can't get over on his fucking own with this horse shit U.S. versus U.K. garbage. So he has to use the service dogs. Oh, okay. For cheap pops. The fucking service dogs. Like, I understand in, in professional wrestling, there's crowd manipulation to get, you know, the reaction you want. I mean, if you pull at that thread, a lot of wrestling unravels. But to, but to make it so, like, the crowd would feel gross about not cheering for Cody... Because after having this whole Memorial Day spot recognizing lost veterans and talking about this charity for veterans' mental health, and then you bring out the USA guy, the American dream, like, who's going to boo that? And he comes out wearing cosplay from uh, the fucking show The Boys of a character who's a villain. He's like evil Captain America. I didn't and Cody, even know that's what that was. Yeah, and Cody chooses to dress up as him when he's the face in this match. And here's what I'm going to say. So he's a, is he a fucking idiot or is he just being cheeky? I don't know, but I, I don't know which is worse. So they have this segment for Memorial Day to honor lost veterans. Mm-hmm. And Cody Rhodes, who has no experience in the military, comes out in a military style jacket but if you're worried about it being stolen valor don't worry because to me he looked like fucking captain crunch that that should be, so um, don't worry about that anyone he looked like a fucking military clown <laughs> that's what cody should do when he decides to come out as the american dream he should rename his uh his finisher move from crossroads to stolen valor oh no, it's not stupid. He looked like fucking Captain Crunch, okay? God, what a disastrous fucking... So, I would have rathered him have worn a polka dot outfit in honor of his father. At least that would have had some kind yeah, of... Yeah, why know, didn't he? He's a fuck. He's a moron. I just, like, I was so put off by how grody this made me feel. This was disgusting. To use your Memorial Day honoring segment... To get a cheap pop. To use a charity. Cody Rhodes. To use a charity. That's so gross. That is giving doggos as therapy pets to veterans with severe mental health issues. To use that to get your dumb ass over because you're running this spot as a vanity project for yourself. That is the most egregious, disgusting shit. To I've... reinforce this weird nationalism fucking storyline that's so... Fu the U.S. versus the U.K.? Like, what? When was the last time we had a fucking problem with the U.K.? It's so weird. The so... U.K. is trying to become more like us with their Brexit bullshit. So, <laughs> so really, we, we've never been more on the same page. So what the fuck? I don't know. So, let's... Oh, one more thing I want to say about this before we get into the actual piece of shit match. So, fucking, of course Cody gets cheered. 
And then, like, fucking Brody, not Brody, Brandy on Twitter making some comment about internet people, like, they're irrelevant now that crowds are back. Like, I'm sorry, the internet's not going anywhere, and if people have criticism of you, like, you have to, do you want them to write you a handwritten letter? Like, the internet exists, and that's where people are going to go to air their grievances. Brandy Rhodes is such a hateful trash bag of a human being. <laughs> Like, she's just nasty. She's just, and she's so fragile. Like, there is the the level of fragility of both of these people. You know, I don't think it's fragile. To me, it's unprofessional. You're, like, the fucking branding officer, and, like, you're going on the internet and, like, crying about shit. Like, that's one thing I will say for fucking Stephanie McMahon. Can you imagine the hate Stephanie McMahon gets? Stephanie you McMahon ever, doesn't give a fuck. Do you ever see Stephanie McMahon get on the on the internet and go, oh no, these trolls? No, you don't. And it's not, just because someone is criticizing your husband, it doesn't make them a troll. It makes them a fucking fan of your company that fucking pays for this product to exist by buying merch and tickets and they have a fucking grievance and they're airing it. Just because someone says something you don't like, it doesn't mean it's some fucking hateful incel. I, I, I'm sorry, Brandy. You know, maybe if your husband wasn't on some bullshit, and maybe if you weren't there probably egging him on on his bullshit, maybe the crowd would have been more into this. Maybe, maybe people, not, you know, not just the internet people, but maybe the rest of the crowd wouldn't have dumped on this and just gone the fuck to sleep. This was the ultimate piss match. All right, so let me get into the match. I didn't write much about it. Um, What's there to say? It wasn't a very good match. I mean, Anthony Gogo did a couple things. But, I mean, it's, it's, his thing is mainly punching. Didn't Cody get to heroically kick out of his his big boy boxer punches? Yeah, so the whole thing for Anthony Gogo and his character is he's an Olympic boxer, and when he fucking hits you, you're done, right? No, he hits Cody, has very little effect on him, and then Cody gets the win, doesn't even do his finisher. How how do we... Wow, just wait to make your fucking charismatic new heel look like just a fucking geek. So what's the whole thing with the Nightmare family and the factory now? Like, who gives a shit? Like, where do you even go from here? This entire... And, and maybe, you know, at, at, at the risk of hurting, you know, Brandy Rhodes' delicate fucking ego... This whole thing is approaching Nightmare Collective levels of bad. It is. In fact, I would even say it surpasses it because as bad as it was, it wasn't fucking disgusting and morally reprehensible. Yeah. So, and then Cody gets the win, and honestly, the crowd is dead through the match. The crowd is pretty dead when Cody wins. He has to physically go out into the crowd and he's, like, doing that fucking pump-up gesture, trying to get people to cheer. Shaking hands and kissing babies. He was like, please clap. <laughs> and it was funny, when he went up into the crowd, there were some people who didn't even, like, get out of their seats. <laughs> I was like, damn. Hopefully when he, uh, <laughs> you know, leaves to run for uh, for elected office, hopefully he doesn't, you know, go down the Jeb Bush playbook. I just... This was a dud in every way. This was just me. a miserable fucking... This was a WWE shit show right in the middle of an AEW pay-per-view. And it was fucking reprehensible. Alright, I want to move on there because we've spent way too much time on it. Because Double or Nothing was great. And I feel like we're spending all our time on this. And I just don't feel like that's fair to the rest of the cards. So let's fine. just let's just move on. We, we've said it. I rate this match a... Good job. Good job. There we go. Oh, my God. All right. So next, we have Lance Archer versus Miro. And what was funny is uh, during Lance's music, Justin is announcing him. Lance Archer comes up behind and scares the hell out of the announcer, Justin. And um, so this was a really physical match, obviously. We've got two big boys. What I like was Miro kept grabbing Lance Archer's hair. As, like, a grip to, like, beat on him. Yeah. There were table spots. Miro went through a table. They went through the crowd. Like, literally, who got 
thrown into the crowd. Who did get thrown into the crowd? I can't remember. But people were, like, falling into the crowd where, like, the wrestling crowd was. And, um, at one point, Jake the Snake comes out with a bag you are to assume a snake is in. But no actual snake. No. Miro picks it up and whips it back to the tunnel, which was hilarious. Uh, Miro puts Archer in a game over, stretching him back for the win. And I thought this was a good match. This worked because Archer passed the fuck out. He didn't tap. Yeah. I still wonder now, like, what? where does Archer go from here? I'm just curious as, like... Because when Archer came in, he had a feud with Cody. And then there hasn't really been a real main feud for him. I could see him going for Kenny. That would be interesting. But when? But he can't even win the TNT title. Yeah, well... I just don't know where Ar- I don't know where Archer's going. But I thought this was a good match. I mean, it was. it's hard to compete for best match because there's a lot of fucking A-plus star yeah, matches. Yeah, there's great stuff But this is, this is a really good, solid match. So, you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. Next, we have Britt Baker versus Sheeta for the Women's Championship. Britt Baker's got Rebel out there with her. Um, I didn't really take very many notes on this. Me neither. It was a good match. At one point, Rebel goes to hit Sheeta with her crutch. She hits Britt instead. Britt kicks out of the Falcon Arrow. Well, see, the thing with this match was, like, it started out strong, but then there was a big lull in the middle. Yeah. But then once you got to, like, the end segment, this turned into a battle. The crowd was really into it. Britt Baker did a curb stomp to Sheeta on the belt. Yeah. And there was a lot of near falls. Like, this really turned into, like, a battle of, like, who's gonna just be the one to... Not who's gonna win, but who's gonna like steal the steal the pin. Have the energy to be the last one to kick out. Really. Yeah, and yeah, so it was great. And Loved Britt Baker's little Michael Jackson glove. Yeah, she gets her glove for the lockjaw. She she's able to get the lockjaw in to get the win. When you see that glove, you know she's winning. And that I feel glue, like the sequins. It this was just correct. I'm excited. Britt Baker, honestly, not to be a booker, but she had to win this. She did. She absolutely did. Um, I mean, she had a really good run. She'll be back. But now's the time for Britt Baker. And she wins, and she heads to the tunnel, and Tony Schiavone comes out, meets her for a hug. Oh. God damn it. This was, this was good. I mean, there was a lull in the middle of the match, but by the end... Everyone was, like, paying attention. Like, everyone was excited for Britt Baker. I was entertained. Sometimes I feel like it's kind of unfair because sometimes I feel like I'm judging these matches with Britt Baker in them by the lights out standard because that was just, like... Everybody wants that match again. Yes, yes, so... That was so entertaining. Everybody wants that again. Maybe there will be another one. Because Thunder Rose is not gone, baby. Put her, put there Brit, could be a two. Put Britt Baker in a blood and guts match. I would love that. So, our next match of the night, we have Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus Sting and Darby. We started off with one of Darby's um, like black and white videos. He's skateboarding. Uh, Sting picks him up in a convertible. They're driving through the desert. And Sting says, it's showtime. Hoo-hoo. And so the match starts immediately, as soon as the bell rings, Darby is a bullet diving through the ropes. Sting gets the tits out. Yeah, he has his, like, old gear on. A singlet. Old singlet. He gets suplexed on the stage by Scorpio Scott, and I was terrified because, like, I don't know what Sting can and can't take. So he gets suplexed, and I'm like, oh, shit. But immediately sits up, comes up behind Scorpio Sky, and um, he does a, a what's it called a crossbody dive off poker chips. Oh my god! Down onto Page and Sky, and I was just terrified for him. Cause I'm so scared he's gonna get hurt. But that's well, an old man for Christ's sake. But like honestly, what he pulls off in this match. You would never know how old he is. You wouldn't. You would never know. 
So at one point, like, Darby for a lot of the match is getting just ragdolled, just getting beat on. He actually tags in Sting, but Aubrey doesn't see it. Sends Sting back to the corner. And uh, Paige literally picks up Darby and throws him over the ropes. Just over the railing. Just hurls him. Into the crowd. Into the crowd where, like, the wrestler crowd is. I don't know how this man doesn't die in I think every the match. guy he landed on died. He landed on people in the I crowd. I saw that man. And he, I think he died. He might have died. But that was absolutely amazing. Um, so Darby's all fucked up. Sting is trying to pick him up and get him back into the ring because he's being counted out. But Darby's able to roll in at nine. Um, there's a lot of near falls. Bee boo boo. At one point, Aubrey totally like loses control of this Absolute match. Absolute bedlam. Sting has what's his fucking submission called? Scorpion Deathlock. Yes. He's got that in on Ethan, I believe. And then Scorpio has Darby in a submission at the same time in the middle of the ring. And Ethan and Darby are trying to poke each other's eyes out as they're put in submission holds. That was inspired. That was an inspired that little bit nice. of storytelling. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever seen that before. Squ- uh, what's his name? Sting. Sting uh, hits a scorpion death drop for the win. And it was so nice to see fucking Sting not only, like, do his, like, classic moves. He's moving around the ring perfectly fine. You never know how old he is. And then he actually gets the pin and the win. Good for him. This was amazing. Actually, this was another feel-good moment. Yeah. Uh, This was the third feel-good moment of the night. Because everyone loved this. Like, how could you not love this? I mean, I don't like Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, but that just makes it even better that they lost. <laughs> so, um, yeah, great match. Anything else to say about that? No, it's just, uh, it just a delightful little, not throwaway, but it was a delightful little palate cleanser before the... Uh... The co-main events? Yeah. Now, with the co-main events, we didn't really take much, if anything, in the way of notes. Because our first one is our championship match with Pac, Orange Cassidy, Kenny Omega. This is a triple threat, no DQ, no countout match. And this was my match of the night. This was a banger. I thought this would be the match of the night. It It was was the match of the night. Yeah, I didn't take very many notes because I was just completely enthralled. And I have to say... I don't normally like triple threats for championship matches. I think if it's a championship match, it should be one-on-one with the rules. Keep it sacred. But goddamn, if this was not the greatest triple threat match I've ever seen in my life. I was about to say, this is the best triple threat match ever. And I didn't take many notes, but very early on in the match, Pack and Kenny crossbody each other midair. Midair collision. They're like knocked out. In the ring, Orange Cassidy fucking strolls in and tries to pin both of them. (laughs) And it is so goddamn funny and so great. But I'm trying to think of what happened during this match. Like, like everything happened during this match. The crowd gets some heat on Don Callis with a fuck you Don chant. Yeah, because Don... Fuck. So much happened here. Here, here's the thing. This was such an amazing match that we just didn't take notes because we were too busy watching it to take fucking notes. And you know what? I'm not even sorry about it. No. No. It was it was fantastic. There was no there was none of that shit you get in a triple threat where, you know, there there are like the rest spots or the obvious things engineered to let everybody take their own little, you know, take a little sleepy time break. Mm-hmm. Like this just went from start to finish. But here's Um, what you should all know. Orange Cassidy won. Orange Orange Cassidy... Orange Cassidy won this match. By all rights, is the AEW champion. Yeah. If he had... If Don Callis had not interfered, Orange fucking Cassidy would be AEW heavyweight champion. 
which is hilarious and awesome and the, perfect. The only, the only, like, what kind of comeuppance does Don Callis need to get now, short of actually being shot in the middle of the ring <laughs> with a real gun? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the crowd, it was slightly a bummer. I won't lie. But it makes sense in getting heat for Kenny and Callis. But damn it, Orange Cassidy won. It would have been so great if Orange Cassidy just got it through, like, just on, like, a fluke or through something where, you know, even if he had to drop it to Kenny in, like, you know, a week or two. Like, it would have been so great just, just as you a You just fucking... want to devalue everything. You just want to devalue my opinion. <laughs> you Constantly. Can't just, you can't just have people winning the belt and then dropping it in a week. That devalues it. Uh, it. It worked when, hell, it worked when Chris Jericho won the heavyweight title from Triple H back in the 2000s. People were, people You can't live it. in the past. The fuck I can't. You can't live in the past. So, Kenny won. Kenny's still the champ, but only because of Callus. If you want to see what happens, just go fucking watch it. At one point, Kenny, seriously, I'm, I'm going to talk about this spot because I remember this spot. Okay. Kenny is going to lose. Mm-hmm. So he knocks out the ref. Yeah, Pac has Orange in, I believe, the Brutalizer or some submission hold. And Kenny is hitting Pac, and Pac refuses to let it go. So so Pac, again, here we go. Past, you know, past Orange being the champ. Now Pac is probably going to be the champ. So Kenny just beats up the ref. Yeah, knocks the ref out so that Orange can't tap. Then he goes out and gets all his championship belts and one by one just belts to the head. To pack. Yeah. And I know it's no DQ, but you would think with the intentional attack on the ref, you would think on Dynamite there's going to be something to be said about it. Yeah, Tony Khan has got to yeah. do something about this. You can't be this is getting that. out of control. A ref bump is one thing, but to have your champion legitimately, just, I mean, in attack the official. Yeah, like attack the ref so that he doesn't lose. That's different. Something's well, got to be done about that. Kayfabe, someone's got to do something about this. It's out of control. Come on, coward Tony. Don't be a coward, Tony. So that was the match. Go fucking watch it. It was A+. And then next we get an announcement about... AEW's new show coming on, Rampage. I can't remember when it's starting. In, like, August. Oh, okay. And uh, the new analyst, Mark Henry. Ooh, they're losing legends left and right, aren't they? Like, these people, they want to do stuff. So come to AEW and they'll fucking do stuff with you. Tony Khan, open up the checkbook and get Stone Cold Steve Austin. I would lose my shit. Everyone would lose their shit. I would lose my shit. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. So, we get to the end match. Yes. Which is our stadium stampede. And this is one where we differ because I did not enjoy this. But you did enjoy this. So, I'm I'm going to kind of revise that a little bit. I enjoyed it in the moment. I was inter I was entertained watching it. Well, then it has, did its job. It has faded though like <laughs> like i'm still remembering like the the you know the world title match i'm like i could watch that again right now yeah i'm thinking of this match now and i'm thinking you know what that was just not what it needed to be it was not great would you ever turn that match on absolutely again and watch fucking it? not absolutely fucking not um it was and I know, you know, any stadium stampede match is going to be, um, you know, overbooked and, you know, too cinematic. But this was too cinematic. Like, I feel like the first stadium stampede, even though you knew it was shot and cut and edited and all that shit, I feel like it still felt like, you know, okay, yeah, this is just a brawl going on. Here, it felt like they were trying to do some kind of a fucking cinematic match without making it a cinematic match. And it, it just didn't work. I'm going to give my three reasons before we get into this why I hated this match. Well, I'm going to start with what number one is, if I can predict it. Uh, MJF and the Miss Me jeans from ten years ago. I don't mind that. Okay. okay. Yeah, MJF was wearing sequin glitter jeans. <laughs> I mean, whatever. I don't... God, what? Of, the, of all the things that bother me about this match, that's... Number one. No, that's, that doesn't even rank. 
Number one, why I didn't like this match, it was too soon after Blood and Guts. Actually, I think there's four reasons I hated this. <laughs> it's too soon after Blood and Guts, number one. I I can't build up interest again that quickly in this feud. It was so quick. Number two, there was too many wink, wink, nod moments where it's like, Jericho and MJF are fighting, and they, they fight into a room that has the Jaguars fucking the head coach, head coach and then there's like a, a cutout of, what's his name? Tony Khan's dad. Yeah. And like fucking MJF punches it and like sells at it, like broke his hand, but it's like oh a cardboard God. cutout. But it, I just like, one of my pet peeves of wrestling is like wink, wink moments. It just is so, like, fourth wall breaking and cheesy to you can, me. You can do that shit in a high school gym. You can't do that. Yeah, it just seems... <sighs> wacky. And then... Wait, why else didn't I like this? Okay. Oh, third reason I didn't like this. We finally have the live crowd back. Yeah. So I thought a lot of... I know it's a stadium stampede, but I still thought a lot of it would be in front of the crowd. But it seemed like the, it just seemed like not the right thing to do to have a live crowd and then have most of your main event be pre-recorded, and then only like the last five minutes of it are in the ring. And it's just, that was just a bad decision. Here's my feeling on that: if they were gonna do this, they should have had this match go on before the world title match, because Definitely. then you give the crowd a cool down period. To watch it on the screen or not, you know, it's it's kind of a lull. Um, yeah. And then when that absolute goddamn banger of a match comes out as the main event, you know, then you pump them back up and everybody goes home happy. Yeah, this was just the wrong decision for the ending of the show. Definitely. And then one last thing I just want to say before we get into the actual match. I so badly wanted Inner Circle to lose and break up. We definitely disagree on that. Because I want to see Santana Ortiz at the top of the tag team division. I want to see Sammy Guevara having a fucking shot at a belt. And they've just been Jericho's henchmen since the beginning of AEW. And it's time for them to go off and do their own thing and get a push. But here's the thing. I don't think they need to, I don't think they need to, you know, break up to do that. I mean, look at the elite. Like, they're all a group, but... But Inner Circle hasn't done that, though. Like, they're always just the henchmen. And I don't think you need to, you know, you don't need to break them up to do that. You just change the dynamic a little bit. Whether well, they do it, I don't I guess know. you could. I, I just wanted to change because, okay, now we've seen Pinnacle win Blood and Guts... Inner Circle wins Stadium Stampede, and I just feel like I don't know where it goes from here, but sadly, I don't care where it goes from here. There's no way to escalate it. Like, how do you escalate this? Honestly, it didn't escalate after Blood and Guts. No. Like, this was a downgrade from Blood and Guts. There's no match type they have that would be, you know, more holy shit than this. Like, not I even mean, a Lights Out match, because you already did Blood and Guts. Honestly, like, I just... Uh, I don't know where you go. I guess let's just get into what happens, I guess. I guess Jericho and MJF in a lights out match one-on-one. -on -one. But after Blood and Guts, the same stampede, like I feel like exhausted with like these ridiculous matches, honestly. Yeah. If you're going to do it, take a lot of time before you do it. Give it a break. You, this needs to have a break for real. Ugh, for real. This needs a break. I don't actually have much to say about the actual match. Like, I, it was just a, a group of segments. Well, I'll, just, I'll say what I have written, and then you can, like, chime in. Okay. So, they start out with a, a white limo pulling out onto the field. And MJF's in it, and he's wearing his glittery jeans. And where's Inner Circle? They come rappelling off of, like, the stadium screen, which was terrifying to me. I don't... <laughs> that's, like, so risky. They're, like, way high up. It just looked really dangerous to me. So Inner Circle enters the stadium by rappelling down the thing. Um, the rest of Inner Circle comes in FTR's truck. That's and a cute truck. So, basically, like before, it's split up into feuds. There's Jericho and MJF fighting. 
they have a lot of wacky spots, like I said, with the, the with the room with the Jaguars head coach. Sports. I mean, what else did they do? There were staplers involved. There was a fight in the nightclub. Well, I'm talking about the Jericho. Oh, okay, okay. There's like trash cans. Anything else? I can't remember. But then, okay, okay, then you have Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara enters a room. A chair room. Okay, picture this. Sean Spears is sitting in a chair in a room with a spotlight on him. And it looked like he was trying out for a boy band. Oh my god. So, because he's the chairman, the whole time Sean Spears was doing chair stuff. But it was just super odd. Super, I can't even properly describe how odd it was. Um, Wardlow and Hager split off and they're fighting in like a kitchen area in a freezer. And then, okay, so Santana Ortiz going to a nightclub where FTR is hanging out with Tolly Blanchard. Those outfits. What the fuck is Tolly Blanchard wearing? It's got like a little neckerchief. It looks super weird. So they start out, they go over to them, and then it looks like they're going to have a drinking contest. But then they just beat the hell out of each other. I mean... Yeah. I'm looking for you to jump in because... I just don't know what to say. I mean, it it was entertaining at the time. Like, I was not not entertained. Mm -hmm. But this, just on reflection, this was not anything spectacular. So after a really long time of these pre-recorded segments... Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears... Jericho and MJF also, like come fighting out into the, the top crowd, like up in the nosebleed seats. Yeah. So that's a little bit of crowd interaction, but really it is with Sean Spears and Sammy Guevara. Sammy Guevara hits Sean Spears with the cart in a throwback to him getting hit with the cart at the last stadium stampede. And the match ends in the ring. Sammy gets the pin. And I feel like at this point, the crowd was just exhausted. Because I feel like Sammy was really trying to get, like, the crowd amped up for the end. And uh, they had the whole sing-along with Jericho's song. You could tell Jericho was really excited about that. Because they did both the verses of Judas. And, um, that was the end. So I didn't mind Sammy getting the pin there. I thought it was kind of a nice little redemption arc there. Because yeah. Sammy's the one who called it off for blood and guts. And he's the one who saved him in the end. But don't you feel like it just happened then? There hasn't been enough time to get I, invested in that? I agree. And I also think, you know, I'm no fucking Sean Spears fan. But wow. Way to look him like a, make him look like a fucking mega geek. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Jim Ross kept saying that. I think he said like two or three times that Sean Spears is unhinged or deranged. So I think maybe that's a new direction for his character. He's going to be like deranged Sean Spears. So that's why he was acting so weird. I don't know. Um, Yeah, just the wrong choice for the last match. But overall, this pay-per-view was a damn good pay-per-view. Yeah, it was a great pay-per-view. There was only two things I didn't like. I just didn't like Cody and I didn't like the ending. But other than that, this was an A-plus pay-per-view. Dud of the night, I'm just going to abstain because I feel like if I'm not allowed to pick Cody Rhodes for this, and I guess I'm not, um, I I just don't feel like it's doing justice to anyone else because who the fuck could fill that shoes after that abomination of a display? Um, My dud of the night was Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch, okay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was just, it made me feel gross it was disgusting from top to finish (laughs) i felt you made me feel gross i didn't like it i see what you did there and i didn't like it and um yeah but who's the stud shit gotta pick a stud just everyone involved in that triple threat that triple threat was amazing Damn, there's a lot of studs, because part of me also wants to pick Sting, because Sting looked fucking great. Part of me also wants to pick Jungle Boy, because what a moment for Jungle Boy. Um, I could even say John Moxley, because goddamn, if he didn't look like the champ champ. 
He John Moxley lost and he took the pin, but the Young Bucks had to kill him to get it. And that reaction. Oh, and Britt Baker finally getting the championship after all this time. There's a lot of studs. But I'm gonna give it. To but this one main time. dud. <laughs> one main dud. One undisputed. Dud piece of fucking trash bag human. <laughs> Only one person made me throw up in my mouth. So he's the dud of the night. Can, can Cody and Brandy just... I'm sorry, can Captain Crunch and his <laughs> wife just fuck right off? Just fuck off. It's starting to get to the point where I feel like somebody in the company needs to do something about this. Ca- fucking coward Tony, come get your man. He's drunk off of power. The lack of self-awareness is just... It's getting grody. And it's the getting lack, grody. The lack of being able to take criticism in a fucking entertainment field. The unprofessionalism. Oh, were people mean to you on the internet? Guess oh, what? Oh, no. Everybody gets harassed on the internet. If you want to be a figurehead for a major company, you're going to have fucking abuse from the internet. Oh no, someone was mean to a rich celebrity on the internet. And just because somebody criticizes something you do, it doesn't make them a bully. It makes them someone who cares about the product and doesn't want to see it go to shit. So you need to take that as feedback and not an attack. That's funny because like you you said like the incel thing and I think that's funny because Brandy Rhodes seems like the exact type of fucking person who whenever there's like an internet slap fight, mm-hmm. she doesn't know anything else but to go straight to the incel virgin sex insults. Okay. <laughs> she, just, that's a take. That's my take. <laughs> I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna piggyback off of that because I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. But um Do you that... know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Let us know in the comments below. So, that was a show. Um, remember to retweet our Double or Nothing show tweet. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Because you've got a real good chance to get some free shit from AEW. Because nobody retweets our tweets. So nobody does it. You got a pretty good chance. Pretty, pretty good. So that's the show. That's the show. Uh, Till next time, I'm George. I'm Melissa. Bye-bye. Bye.